Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash. Making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last. Because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. This is episode 87, Really, Really Sorta Free. And this is actually about the really, really free market, which I've known about for a couple of years. And um, I just wanted to share once again in podcast form how much I, uh, I really admire the idea of a really, really free market. And I'll get into what it is exactly, but uh, Gumby, did you have anything you wanted to say in the well, intro? Um, just that, uh, you know, we're talking about really, really free markets, but we're also talking about kind of free other stuff. Um, like we'll talk more about really, really free markets relationship with food, not bombs, for instance, free food, you know, there's these little free libraries. There's, uh, just kind of like, there's even like websites like, um, swap pages and everything where people are, uh, trying to barter more. So yeah, just kind of opening it up to, our experiences with it, kind of the the resources and benefits of it, and uh, sort of what, you know, is going on. Like, why is this happening, you know, this this move towards free stuff? Yeah, so the, um, the really, really free markets are kind of like they're – they're kind of just where people bring their stuff, stuff that they don't want anymore, stuff that maybe they have a surplus of, and that stuff can be anything from clothes, um, home furnishings, small appliances, um, and food, whether it's dumpster dived or gleaned or just, you know, people are going on a diet and they just want to get rid of all the food in their house that isn't on their diet. And like I said, I, I really admire this type of activity because it also allows people to remember that you don't have to necessarily buy everything that you want. Um, You can ask for it. And a lot of times within your own community, there are people that have what you need. And granted, a lot of, if not all of this stuff um, has been purchased at some point, but you don't have to, again, pay money into the capitalist system that you may or may not agree with. And if you're coming to a free market, you probably have a little bit of a, (laughs) you're either cheap and opportunistic person or um, trying to escape society or maybe a little bit of both. (laughs) So the first one, the uh, first really, really free market, I just looked this up on Wikipedia real quick. It was in 2003 in Christchurch, New Zealand. And they had a Food Not Bombs meeting there, um, which is where people bring, again, like dumpster dived or, or gleaned food, and they actually cook a meal and give the, the food away in that way. So if you could imagine that, plus you have clothing, shoes, plus you might have people giving away like massages or 
or maybe they're playing their musical instruments or reading poetry or whatever. So I just thought that was a real uh, hippie vision. Um, and in the United States, the first really, really free markets were actually at the same time in Miami, Florida, and in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is right down the street from us. So kind of proud of Raleigh for jumping in there. And I guess around that time, there was a lot of protest, and still protest, but um, kind of losing that battle, of more and more globalization. And specifically, the imperialistic intent behind the globalization um, from the perspective of the United States. So we were trying to go into other countries and not only um, abuse their their people in a new workforce, but also take their resources as our own and indoctrinate them into our culture, whether they wanted it or not. So way to go protesting and uh, and trying to break some of those ties from the society. Because we hear a lot about people wanting to fight the things that are going on in society, but it's really hard to do when you are sucking at the teat of society. And um, I guess something else, like I mentioned at the really, really free markets, um, maybe not so much in the pandemic time, but there is always like striving to build community. So whether that's through different um, workshops that are offered for free or other skills that can be offered, whether it's an upcycling skill or even something that has to do with, I don't know, foraging wild foods or, or something like that. Um, that's actually, you know, again, something that can be offered for free there. And my experience with the Really, Really Free Market has been overall positive. We go um, pretty much every month that they have it and pretty much every month get something. And it gives us an opportunity to reevaluate our stuff and can we move any of our stuff along, whether it's books or DVDs. Sometimes we have food that we're just like, eh, not really excited about this food anymore, or like extra clothes, blankets, etc. And Gumby, what's your experience with the Really, Really Free Market? Well, the first time I uh, I became aware of anything called a really, really free market was in Carborough, which we're uh, near currently in our, our little uh, hometown of Durham. Um, and it was, uh, I went there and it was, it was interesting, you know, I, I like the fact that everything was free. So it was kind of like a yard sale, but you didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> and, um... Let's see, my first impressions. Well, one thing, I had this huge surplus of dumpster food. I was newer to it than I am now, so I was kind of enchanted with how much food you could get. So I would just get everything. You know, I wouldn't pick out like a little bit for me. I'd pick out everything that was available, and I was getting this great big backstock of uh, scavenged food. And so I got there, and, uh, you know, I'd bring in boxes and boxes of food, and I was really excited about the opportunity to be able to share this food, even like uh, dog food. You know, I just find like a little bit of dog food here in this bag and a little bit of dog food there. And I just mix it all up in a bag, put it in a cardboard box and kind of list all the different dog foods. And I'd call it like doggy trail mix. <laughs> I like that. And um, so that was like a positive thing about it. Kind of my negative impression of it was a couple things. One was um, a lot of crap there, you know, like at a yard sale, there tends to be used stuff. But it's still, like, um, useful to someone else. 
there looked like a lot of crap at the Carborough one that was just crap. I mean, it looked like stuff that really should have gone in the in a trash can. I, I can't imagine <laughs> anybody using some of the stuff I saw for anything. Then again, you know, why not give it a chance? So I'm not saying like, oh, they should have just thrown it away. Why not put it out there and see if anybody else wants it? Um, I also noticed, like, Teresa, you mentioned the opportunist, you know, and I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But there are people that go to these things that, uh, you know, I think what you kind of envision when you're imagining, like, getting rid of money and like, giving things away for free is that people, you know, we tend to romanticize, I think, any group that our culture has sort of chewed up and spit out. You know, we did it with the, uh, the American Indian. Um, as soon as we got them out of the way by whatever means was necessary for us to colonize the land, then we turn them into a romantic ideal. It's the noble <laughs> savage. You know, we're writing plays. We're wanting to see traveling shows with people with headdresses. So we really, you know, uplift them and forget that they're people. People are people. You got bad people. You got good people. <clears throat> I kind of feel like we've done the same thing with the poor, and I mean the really poor, you know, um, and often poor people, through their circumstances or whatever, I found in my experience, can be really greedy, really miserly, really opportunistic. Um, not that other people aren't. I don't know. There's just a certain unique flavor in the way poor people will do it. And I saw this at the free market. I, I'd get, for instance, a box of food out of my, uh, my car. People would be picking stuff out of the box before I could get it to the place to set it down. <laughs> not not saying thank you, not like, well, do you mind if I look through that? Just snatching it out. It was or like, like helping you to carry it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that kind of energy, like a Black Friday, you know, like just elbowing people out of the way. Like, you know, you'd see these uh, poor people, but not hungry people. You know, keep in mind, I'm not talking about... I don't know. There's something that happens to a person that gets impoverished in a way that material goods can't really fix. And uh, that's what I saw a lot at the really, really free market. Um, the one we go to now in Durham, um, I feel like kind of goes a little bit better. I see a higher quality of stuff. It doesn't seem like, even though I see some of the hawks, you know, the ones that are these, these people that will um, seem to come from poor neighborhoods. And I kind of feel like a lot of times when you grow up poor, you kind of have a chip on your shoulder or something. You kind of feel like the world owes you something, and so you're you're like, you take as much as you can. I don't know. I don't really even know like what I'm looking at with that, but uh, I see that a little bit less there at the Durham really really free market. Um, yeah, and I guess those are my impressions. We do we try to go every month. We usually have something to give, and uh, often we find like cool stuff that we we want with that we want to take, and I love the idea of it. Yeah, and even if you don't have stuff, it's not a tit-for-tat bartering system. You can show up empty-handed and leave with whatever you need, but keeping in mind, like Gumby said, it's it's not about scooping everything up that you can to, like, resell it on eBay or Craigslist or something, although I have a feeling that's what some people are doing. Um, and, you know, that's... In a way, like, it makes sense, you know, to scoop up an opportunity and then to make money off of it. I get it. But in another way, it kind of sucks because for people that are trying to, like, uh, undermine capitalism, these opportunists just sort of swoop up things to, uh, what would I say, exploit capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, and it's a very anarchic, 
anarchic vision um, of little rule, you know, kind of putting things out there and not telling people what to do with it, and I appreciate that. Um, but I think one of the problems that happens is this mix of of agendas in our society, you know, where you get the opportunists, and then you got the scavengers like us who are kind of trying to undermine capitalism, and uh, it doesn't always mix so good because the opportunists, opportunists are often more aggressive and will will swoop up the good stuff. Yeah, you, we were talking about this earlier before the podcast, and I was thinking about what is an action because there are, I mean, we're all different. We we come from different backgrounds. We have different thought processes that make sense to us. You know, maybe somebody out there listening or maybe even, you know, one of us in the past, we would see something and be like, well, I'm going to get all that shit because I know what I could do with that. I could turn around and make, you know, 200 bucks off of that. Mm-hmm. We've um, done that dumpster diving. Yeah. So what is something that might unite us? And I was thinking about it and and food is a really good way. It's it's not a cure-all, but I wonder if, you know, if one were to start one of these really, really free markets and right at the beginning, you know, offer like we're going to have a meal together. Well, here's something that just occurred to me that I think is one of the uh – I hate to say problem because I really applaud what the really, really free market is aiming for. But one of the reasons why I think it doesn't uh, move towards what it could be, its full potential, faster, um, if at all in some instances, is I feel like help usually comes from a class that's um, not at the bottom. These are the people that will organize something to help, even when it comes to things like food, not bombs. You're usually... Um, getting like, I don't know, college kids, people from middle class, and they're trying to help people from the at the very bottom. And I feel like that never really works. Not that it's not appreciated, not that it's not helpful, but I feel like it can never actually solve the problem. And what I mean is like, when I've been homeless, when I've been on the streets, um, kind people will give me Sometimes food, um, the best thing to give is cash because you can turn that into whatever you want. Food, you know, maybe you, what you need more than food is a beer just to help you get through a really depressing evening. Um, whatever, you know, cash is can turn into anything you want it to. But it never really helps. It can, it can make your day better, but it doesn't get you out of whatever you're stuck in. What people need is community. That's yeah. what they're starved for. They need friends. They need people that will sit and have the time and the desire to talk to them. They need people with common experience that can talk to them on their level. So if you're homeless and you haven't lost your mind yet and all the other homeless people are batshit crazy around you, <laughs> you don't get that from them either. You learn to be on guard around these people. Um, and I kind of feel like that's where pl- things like uh, food not bombs even, um, a lot of these free giveaways are coming from, they feel like, man, if things just didn't cost money, people would be better off. But I feel like underneath that, there's a, a, a misunderstanding of what the real problem is. Mm. You know, like when I'm, when I'm, uh, struggling on the streets, I often find that material stuff is fairly easy to come by. A little bit of panhandling will even get me, you know, pretty high-grade alcohol if that's what I'm looking for. Um, it's kind of easier to run on, run into drugs on the street if that's what you want because um, the people know where their audience is. They're out there with the drugs. 
Um, food's everywhere. There's free food everywhere. There's uh, clothing being given away. Hell, we find clothing strung in trees all the time, littering the woods <laughs> um, behind thrift stores. So I kind of feel like that's what the really, really free market could be, and I feel like wants to be. I feel like somewhere along the organizational process, somebody has kind of noticed that, and what they're wanting is people to come together, get to know each other, and start providing services, you know, like Teresa was talking about haircuts, we were talking about, you know, like any kind of classes, how to fix your food, your your clothing, prepare Yoga, your clothing. meditation, massages, that, you know. Yeah, and it's, a, it's kind of a tough thing to do, because I feel like the only people that are really interested in that, for the most part, with some notable exceptions, are sort of middle-class people who are trying to, in some small way, and... Uh, usually not totally enough to really make a difference, reject capitalism. But they're still kind of uh, flirting with it, kind of involved in it, um, often going to the colleges, you know, that obviously cost a lot of money. And it doesn't really help the really, really poor people. And they kind of try to open the doors to the really poor people. And what the really poor people are looking for is money often to buy drugs things like that, to help them get through their day. They've got enough food in their belly. They've got enough stuff. And even if they had more stuff, where the hell would they put it? <laughs> so what they're looking for is an opportunity. And that's what I see a clash, you know, a clash in that that uh, vision. I don't know how to build a community. And I feel like that's one of the things that's not taking off. We're just whatever it takes to make that happen. Uh, I feel like people are still looking for it and not necessarily finding it that gel. Yeah. And it's really difficult because our examples no longer really exist of good community or tribe. And so without having an example, it's like tens of thousands of years of working at it have gone to waste and we're having to restart right now. And so that's why I guess um, I was thinking about like, you know, food is a, a common factor for most people, whether or not they're starving or hungry or poor or rich. But if you have a meal with people, if someone's feeding you and or you're helping with, you know, even even like serving the food, whether you brought food or not, I feel like that's something that could maybe start to to enhance those ties between people. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I just that's just what I was thinking about earlier. And so if you've never been to a really, really free market, um, a lot of times bigger cities will have some sort of uh, like a Facebook page or a website or some way to communicate that the event is happening. However, what I've found a lot is that whoever started it they may have had a family, they may have moved away, they may have you know, just gotten really busy in their life and, and let this thing fall to the wayside. So again, building that community, someone that can take up the torch when you have to go deal with family stuff or your own life stuff so that it doesn't just fizzle out and then people are again looking for that that free market, that opportunity to build community. And you'll find that a lot when you try to find out about things like uh, Food Not Bombs, really, really free market in your area. Um, so often you'll come to a, a web page or a Facebook page or something like that that is just completely neglected. Um, and I look at that like an opportunity 
to maybe take it over yourself. Yeah, and we did try actually in Durham um, to contact the page, the Facebook page that was already in existence. For the really, really free market. As actually, that's what led to our antisocial socials. Right, because, well, <laughs> speaking of antisocial, they never got back to us. And it's mm-hmm. like, what kind of lazy bastard anarchists are these? You know, they <laughs> start up a Facebook page and then it's just, you know, hasn't been done for like four years. That's kind of one of the uh, common themes I see as the dark side of anarchism is people will often reject laws and authority, but not realize that what needs to replace that is self-discipline. You Discipline. still have to be, uh, you still have to be accountable. Um, you still have to do what you say. You still have to like provide common courtesies, like responding to people. If you're going to set yourself up in an organizational or facilitating role, um, yeah, no, I, I see that theme ha- manifest over and over, where you got these anarchists, they're like, oh, you know, we hate the rules, we're not going to have authority, all this stuff, but you need to have that 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 responsibility to take its place. Otherwise, you're just a bunch of little kids that are kind of, you know, <laughs> running around and just until the authority shows up and takes charge again. You're not replacing it with anything strong and sustainable. Yeah, so I spoke with the one of the main organizers of this revived really really free market and um yeah he he basically said if you want to start one all you really need is time and energy and i guess along with that responsibility and it's not about um rules and laws it's about that self-discipline that gumby was talking about and these guys seem to do a pretty good job i've seen they keep up with their facebook page they seem to respond to people they're there when they say they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been uh, familiar with this place for how long would you say? At least half a year. Yeah, I was going to say about six months they've been doing it. Yeah. I've been gone for some of that time. But it seems like um, one of the most important things that this particular organizer mentioned was if you're going to do it to have some consistency. So um, it probably works best if it's in the neighborhood where you're at. So if you want to start one, look for a public space, whether it's in a park. Um, they were using a park shelter and the, the land around the park shelter to put out tarps or those kind of gazebo pop-up tent things. But it doesn't have to be fancy. You can just put stuff on the ground or tie a string to a couple trees and hang clothes or, you know, any anything like that. It doesn't have to be fancy. Um, and they eventually moved it because I guess one month somebody was using the park shelter, so they just moved it across the street to this little grassy area. Uh, They haven't had any problems with authorities. Um, And that's another thing that he mentioned was uh, this group in particular, the Really, Really Free Market, got its roots from uh, anarchy as well as that anti-capitalism drive. And I feel like along with that was trying to take steps away from uh, societal norms and thinking more about uh, communal property, communal land. So this guy that was the organizer said, yeah, don't forget, this is your land. This is public land. So as long as you're on public land, you shouldn't have to pay or have to reserve a spot. Like it's our public land. And, of course, with that, not being a bunch of assholes and, like, leaving stuff everywhere, um, like I did that one time. 
with my giveaway. <laughs> but yeah, um, so having time, energy, having some sort of responsibility to it and a place to do it and some consistency. Like they have it every first Sunday from two to four. Not everyone might know about your giveaway. You want to explain what you mean by that? Oh, yeah. I, I had a storage unit for, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe a little bit longer than a year, a lot longer than I needed to. And that was like all the stuff that I just could not part with. It was the best of the best. And my in my head, I wanted to you know, give everything away to a person that would really appreciate it or take it to some specific thrift store or, or arts and crafts store that I knew that I just knew that they could use it. But what ended up happening was none of that. And I decided to take all my stuff to a park and I advertised it. I advertised it about two weeks ahead of time. And, um, the weather wasn't super cooperative, but yeah, I just put all that stuff out under a shelter and left it. We were going to come back and take it and do something with it, take it to a thrift store, but just ended up leaving it. And um, hopefully some people got some good stuff and we all, we know what happened to the rest of it. One of our friends that works in the park, Ted, um, he took it to a local thrift store. So, mm-hmm. and you know, to, to that point, why not just take your stuff to a thrift store? Well, sometimes thrift stores have these programs that they want to get money for, whether it's research for Alzheimer's or like uh, um, helping with people that are rehabilitating from drug use or helping the homeless or whatever. Um, but maybe you don't agree with their methods or maybe you don't think that um, the money is, is being used wisely. And also, you know, once again, the really, really free market, this is stuff that can be just freely given, no money exchanged, no products exchanged whatsoever. You, you want it, you got it. And I just think that's really beautiful. Um, cause I hate going in the thrift stores and paying $7 for a pair of pants that I know damn well, somebody probably didn't pay more than $20 for, and they're used and been in the thrift store for God knows how long. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the thrift store. Um, I feel like my mom used to go to these yard sales, my dad too, and they dragged me along. And (laughs) that kind of gave me a love of secondhand stuff, Um, even the smell of it. You know, like my first sleeping bag was a used sleeping bag. And I still remember fondly what that smelled like. It didn't smell like, you know, the new synthetics of a store. It had just kind of a a lived-in smell, Um, a little bit of a musty smell, something that's been put up someplace for a while. Um, and then the thrift stores, I used to like them, and I still think a thrift store is in many ways better than, like, a brand-new product, many ways, um, because it's used. You know, something new isn't having to be manufactured. But, uh, yeah, I, I do kind of – it feels sort of like a pawn shop where they get stuff for free, and then they turn around and mark it up and make a profit. Um, one of the things we love using thrift stores for is going after hours where people drop off stuff at the donations place. And, um, you know, it'll just be sitting there. <laughs> and um, if you go and, like, check out the stuff, and I see other homeless people do this, and they make a mess, and it drives me crazy because sooner or later they're going to put a stop to it. Um, but if you're careful, you go through the stuff, and somebody catches you, you just say, you dropped off that stuff. I mean, nobody, like, leaves an identification or whatever who dropped it off and say, you know, my wife, like, left my favorite sweater in here by accident. And um, 
it's not really stealing because it's just been dropped off. These people don't want it anymore, and the thrift store has not yet accepted it because it's outside their door. So I look at it like just one of these like little tweener, awesome scavenging opportunities. <laughs> but one thing I will say about the really, really free market is I love the idea. I love the scavenging aspect of it. I love the potential for community, though something is missing, something uh, – I wish I saw something more intentional in these to bring people together because um, often, you know, even if I try to talk to people at a really, really free market, I don't feel like people are, for the most part, that friendly. Um, and again, you know, there are friendly people, but I don't I've know. I've noticed that too. There needs to be some kind of more community-building thing, and I'm not sure what that is. Um, I feel like a lot of the kind of hippie types, you know, you're kind of going to college or middle class, um, are some of the most unsocialized people. So maybe they've got the high ideals. They've heard about activism groups. They've heard about uh, the economy. They've heard, they've learned enough about capitalism not to like capitalism, but they don't really know how to like, I don't know, reach out and really like have honest, engaging conversations with people. Something's missing. And I feel like more and more it's missing from uh, the humans of our culture. And so the youth, the young people that often involve themselves in things like really, really free market often seem to be the least equipped to build community in my way of thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, and it's true because I went to the Durham free market before this new uh, team took over, and they were, like, really... I don't, I don't want to even say anti. They lacked social skills completely. I mean, I took some of the flyers that they were just kind of standing around with in their hands. I said, you want me to take some over to the playground? And I handed them out to some, uh, I'm assuming from Mexico, but Central American looking folks. And I, with my limited Spanish, I'm like, it's gratis, it's gratis. It's like, it's free, it's free. And they're like, oh, gratis? Yeah, it's free. It really is. Um, and that's another thing too, that I think is cool. Like they often for the really, really free markets will have a dual language. Uh, so you have it in Spanish and in English, uh, the announcements. So I think that's pretty inclusive. And the guy did mention too, that if you have other organizations in your neighborhood that you're going to do this in, whether it's a church, whether it is some sort of urban, um, center where people are already coming for like a food pantry that you could use that network, like involve other groups because you might have a built in audience there. And maybe that's where community starts to come from too. And I would like to see more, uh, what you might call bushcraft in these really, really free markets, like more people that are teaching how to make cattail hats, how to make, um, Shoes. Yeah, how to make shoes like uh, Japanese sandals, wadaji, that are pretty easy to make if you just, you know, have some some cordage of some kind and can, you know, the weave. Um, but at the same time, I will say, I don't know if there's an audience for that. I uh, When I first started learning survival skills, wilderness survival skills, I had this, what I, I recognize now as a naive notion that I would come and I would like go to homeless shelters and uh, offer classes of like edible plants and you know, how to do some of this bushcraft stuff. Um, and I now realize that there is almost no audience for that. People don't want to learn that. Um, people are out there for a lot of reasons, and anybody that would be out there for a 
idealistic reason like that that might be interested in that is an extreme minority, as much of a minority in the homeless community as you would find in a middle-class community. Hmm. Probably more of a minority because in the middle-class community, there's this novelty. You know, that's where I get most of my uh, students from when I offer a class that'll pay for it. The romanticism of it. Yeah, people who think that it's really cool, who want to go and think they want to learn it, but will never practice it again, will never be in a situation to ever need it. Um, So it kind of falls flat. So when you get the really, really poor people, um, yeah, they're so busy struggling. They're so busy dealing with their mental health. Uh, I'd say the two biggest groups you find in the homeless community are mentally ill people that have had, I mean, I've got my social anxiety, you know, so I, I understand how much that this stuff can just crop up and take over, you know, whether it's an anxiety, a depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, whatever, trying to keep your shit together and the people who have addictions. And often there's a lot of overlap because maybe you have an addiction to something because of your mental illness. Maybe your addiction to something has driven you into a mental illness. So, that makes up the vast bulk of the really, really poor people. So when you get those people out there, um, I don't know. It kind of leaves the question of what this free stuff addresses. It seems to kind of like go to people who uh, don't really need it. I don't know. This country is so so odd with like there's just so much stuff that you might think that what a homeless person needs is like a blanket I think we're probably the most homeless person that goes to these really free markets. I think so, too. You might think a homeless person needs a sleeping bag. And every now and then they do, and often they will take it. But what you see, because we go to all those, like, behind-the-store places that homeless people hang out, we see fucking sleeping bags and blankets and stuff that is just perfectly useful, trashed over and over and over, left in a creek, uh, just left, you know, I mean, neglected completely. And it, it disgusts me because I think, man, somebody thinks they're doing something good for the homeless people. They might have they even gone and bought that damn thing. And it's, it didn't address the problem. It's not stuff that these people are, are lacking. Yeah, it's that community. And how the hell do you build that? It just keeps coming back back around to that. And, when it, and we keep talking about capitalism. And by the way, I want to say that I'm not pitting capitalism against socialism. It's not that because I'm down on capitalism, I'm for socialism, because often that's the dichotomy I hear talked about. Um, I'm not in favor of socialism. Socialism, I feel like, is the facade of tribalism, that we're all working together and it sounds very egalitarian, uh, egalitarian but it never is. As somebody pointed out to me, you never see ships, boats, lo- boatloads of people uh, fleeing from capitalist countries to get into communist or socialist countries. <laughs> There's a reason for that. You know, it always gets corrupted because what socialism or communism amounts to when you don't have small groups of people, tribes, is government control, out, uh, just outrageous government control. At least capitalism, in theory, has the opportunity for uh, liberty you know, that was kind of the, the theory we're taught in America, and obviously most of us see that's not really working. Hmm. Um, but both sides, both socialism and capitalism are not what they seem. They are masks. So just I want to throw that out there. Don't assume that I'm talking about socialism. I'm in favor of it when I say I'm down on capitalism. Yeah, and I like what you said about um, you'd like to see different 
skills or or offerings. Yeah, because that would be more true freedom. But again, like I imagine me out there with, you know, a bunch of cattail leaves, like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to make a cattail hat. For one thing, how the hell do you get people to show up on time to something like that? Like if I start everybody at one place, how the hell do I show somebody how to finish a cattail hat? It takes some time. It takes some uh, commitment. And if I have people showing up at all times, I got to show them how to start. So all I'm doing over and over and over is showing the first step in like a, I don't know, let's say 10 step process. And then how many people want to learn? Here's a free hat laying right there. And as far as they're bothering to look, there's always going to be free hats someplace. You know, they, they, they're not imagining your... a time when they would ever need to make a hat or the satisfaction of making your own hat. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's just a place where you got to say our culture is doomed, you know, like <laughs> I feel like things like the really, really free market are kind of trying to save people, but maybe people can't be saved. Well, and again, it goes back to that that idealistic vision of building community. I don't, I mean, maybe if I listen to this, back to this podcast, I don't know if I really ever thought that the free market was for, like, homeless people necessarily. Who do you think it is targeting? I think it's, I think it is meant to target the middle class. And I think the reasoning is this, loosely. If you can show people who are working, but maybe they're, you know, dis- disillusioned with their job, maybe they don't even really want to work, like me, um, if you can show them a way to not spend so much money, then in theory, you know, if you can find enough ways to not spend money, you can not have to be a wage slave. And so it's kind of seeing your way out of middle class by showing (laughs) kind of like teaching rich people how to be poor in a trendy way and I think you know again looking at community because it isn't it's something that you're not really going to change people's minds unless they're ready for it anyway we've talked about that recently um, in our episodes so I, I just I think there's a lot of Uh, opportunity, there's fruitful places within the free market, but if, you know, if you think you're going to, like, convert everyone away from capitalism, like, in an instant, no, that's not going to work. It's it's probably more, uh, let's see how we can build communities so that we can help each other to turn away from industrial society. Yeah, I feel like you, like, the ideal would be to go there almost in a uh, a counselor mindset. And by that, I don't mean like fixing people's problems or whatever, but I mean that you know that your primary job there is to engage with people. For instance, I've seen people show up at really, really free markets and uh, make soup. And I was dumpster diving at the time that I went there and saw this. And so I saw their ingredients and I'm like, oh, they definitely pulled that out of a dumpster. Because you'll see like the same thing get thrown out at the same time. And like they were using these very specific ingredients that I had just found in the dumpster myself. And I'm like, oh, this is scavenged food. So awesome. You're going there. You're giving away free soup um, to people who don't really need it. Let's face it. You know, so it's not about the soup. Even the homeless people, there's soup kitchens all over the place. Um, they don't need the soup. So I'd say if you go there and you're giving, a, you're getting rid of stuff and you're hanging out, whether you're making soup or you're like, 
bring in clothes, engage people, and be ready to engage people who you don't really want to talk to. That's always been one of the things for me is like, you know, you might think, oh, I'm going to go there and like talk to people. And you imagine talking to somebody who you really want to talk to. But what you wind up talking to is somebody who like starts talking nonsense or has political beliefs that are ex- exactly opposite than yours or who won't shut up, who like exploit your time and just like talk, 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 talk and wear you out. But I kind of feel like that maybe is the beginning of how you build communities to go in there and to like be prepared for that. Be prepared <laughs> that that's what you're there for. That's that's your job. These people don't need your 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 old underwear with the Hershey streak in them. People need you to be there, to listen, to get to know your name, for you to care about what their name is. Um, I feel like that's really what we need. Make it a goal maybe to see that person again the next time you have the free market, as opposed to trying to help someone that you may perceive is needing a material thing. And maybe the middle class doesn't get this as much, you know, maybe because usually I imagine when you go to college, you've got some kind of little bubble you're in, you know, you've got your little social network, whether it's online or, you know, in class or however, you know, so maybe they, that's something that is like harder to see from where they're coming from. And I'm, I'm not totally saying like the, the really, really free market comes from the middle class necessarily. I don't know. Where do you think it comes from? I don't get the feeling when I see the people that are behind it that they're like, uh, I mean, the, the friends that I have that live in trailers and are struggling to pay their bills or whatever, they ain't thinking about really, really free markets or whatever. No, because I, I really honestly don't think it's for poor people. In fact, I so asked... So you would say middle class. Yeah, I asked the guy, I don't know what his you know social status is. He kind of looks grungy, but I mean, so do I. Um, but I asked, you know, well... What do you do with the extra stuff? Because as a part of being a steward of... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Guppy. Teresa, you just farted. No, you stink. Um, part of being a good steward, even as an anarchist, is respecting and, and being responsible for what you're doing. So you don't leave crap everywhere that you had a free market, even if, you know, you've got a bunch of clothes and stuff left over, it's not a great practice to just leave it. Um, I admit, probably not a good move on my part. I'm admitting my mistake. So I asked, well, what do you do? And and this guy said, well, we do have kind of limited storage space at our house. It's like, okay, so he has a house. He is not homeless. And if they're transporting this stuff back and forth, I mean, they probably have some money. It's not, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like how we live in a van. We're not we're able to keep stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would say if I were doing the free market, I'd probably assume that unless there's something really, really good that I think, oh, man, I can't, like, I, I got to see this through. I got to turn this in, you know, again next month for the free market. I think I'd just either throw the stuff in a garbage can or take it to a thrift store and not hang on to it. Because again, um, this is like giving another opportunity for the things and stuff that people bring. It's not about hanging on to it for months and months on end. And the guy that was the organizer said, you know, we, we usually hang on to it for a couple months and if it hasn't gone 
uh, to another home than we'd take it to a thrift store. Yeah, I wish there was some way to uh, create a movement of minimalists. You know, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the really, really free market represented all the stuff people are getting rid of to liberate themselves from stuff? Yeah. I mean, imagine the stuff that would show up there. It wasn't about just getting the crap out of your house. It was about getting the stuff out of your house. And again, community, like maybe you have that impact on somebody, but not the first time, maybe not even the first year of them. Maybe it is a gradual process, but if you have a strong community and these these people are wanting to come back because they feel a connection, maybe that's when it starts to sink in. But not before that. I don't think that you're going to just like hand out a brochure to somebody like how to be a minimalist. Um, cause that's a, that's a test. You probably shouldn't take that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's really all I wanted to say, um, about the really, really free markets. I think it's a good idea in, in theory and practice. Maybe it's a, a little more difficult, um, I definitely think that if there's not one in your area, if there's not one that's active in your area and you're interested, I think you should try it out. Again, time, energy. Um, you can make a Facebook page or a free website. We use Weebly.com to make our free website. And uh, you can use Craigslist. That's still around. Ancient Craigslist. As well as other sites. I mean, you can try to put up flyers and stuff around town, but um, tap into those already created networks, whether they're, like I said, churches, um, other social groups, and uh, and get the word out. Just find a, a space and invite people to come out. Yeah, and I would say find a way to make it work for you. I do really love the spirit of these really, really free markets. And, uh, you know, there's these, like, very liberal kind of artsy-fartsy, beatnik neighborhoods around Durham and, uh, you know, that are gentrified. Um, There's a lot of things I don't like about the neighborhoods, but some of the things I do like is, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of this kind of stuff. Often that's where kind of you'll find the really, really free markets. You'll find little free libraries, which are pretty awesome. And again, whenever you're dealing with free stuff, um, a lot of people use it to unload crap, which I don't want to fault them for that because, indeed, one person's trash is another person's treasure. So, you know, good on them if they have all these books that they – these romance novels they don't want to read anymore. <laughs> Somebody else might really want them. For me, I'm looking through them and I'm like, crap, 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 crap. But every now and then, I find a fucking piece of gold, and <laughs> that's really exciting. Like, what was it, Charles Bukowski? yeah. Ham on rye, we found that, and uh, wow, that's one of the, we just gobbled that book up. We were out up in the mountains and went to one of the free campsites up there and just every day, like, spent a lot of time reading through the chapters together, and it just loved the book. So it's worth it to go uh, digging through all that dirt to, to find a treasure. Um, but yeah, find a way to make it work for you. We didn't feel like we could take over the really, really free market back when we had a trailer, so we tried our own thing. Um, we called them antisocial socials, which had their own flavor, had a campfire. They were in the evening. Um, they were a little loose where people could, like, smoke weed or drink and hang around the campfire and talk. We laid out a tarp. It was meant to be a big uh, kind of bartering thing, which I feel like kind of took a back seat. People would get there, and there was a little bit of that, but for the most part, it was just hanging out around the fire. Um, and we wanted to create an atmosphere where you didn't have to socialize, you know, because I've got social anxiety myself, so I get it, like, 
not wanting to show up for something and being scared. Everybody's going to want to go around and like say your name and your what you do for a living or any of that crap. That if you want to be antisocial and just kind of sit under a tree by yourself, that's cool. You're invited. Um, so yeah, find that that thing that like speaks to you, where you're at and who you are, and see what you can do. Because I think if we all tried to do something. Man, imagine like a whole community of people trying to do something and working together too. I would also also caution you about, you know, they say like too many chefs in the kitchen, too many Indians and not enough chiefs. Um, or did I say that right? Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. But yeah, to see if you can help support what somebody else is doing. Um, I also see a lot of people trying to create their own thing. And it's like, when you got everybody trying to create their own thing, all it does is sort of take the power away from anybody succeeding. So see if you can find something pretty close to what you're trying to do and see if you can support that. Um, chances are they've already got some things in place and it'll save you time and energy. And by working together, how the hell are you going to help build community, which is really what people need, as we keep saying, if you can't even work together with somebody. Um, I, I, I see so many people talking about like building community and they have no idea how to do it. I'm the last person to say how to do it because I, I am so antisocial, but uh, I do see the need for it. That is what we're starved for. We're starved for each other. Uh, and nowadays with the pandemic and everything, man, we, we there's not a time that we need it more than right now. We need each other. Lovely. And is there anything else you want to say about like free stuff? Um, I also like these Facebook pages, like these swaps. You know, there's a lot of opportunities when you start looking where people are trying to do things for free. And again, the swap thing is kind of weird because I feel like the idea is awesome. You know, like I've got this stuff I don't want anymore. Um, I'm giving it away, but maybe I'm looking for this other thing that maybe you have and we can just like have an exchange for free. But what tends to happen is more often than not, people, it'll almost become like a weird fetish thing where people will go to the store and buy the thing you're looking for. And it's like, I could have bought bought it myself. That wasn't the point. We'd see this over and over on the swap pages we were using. Um, it's really hard to put something like this out there without an underpinning philosophy that people share. So when you just offer it to the public, you're going to have a lot of people coming from a lot of different places and a lot of the things they bring and the things they do. If you're coming from kind of a, a philosophical, like let's, let's undermine capitalism kind of place, um, they're not going to get it. You know, often often the majority is not going to get it. So, I don't know. Be prepared for that. If you have any great ideas on how to address that, go with that. I don't. We never figured that out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think we pretty much covered it. And we've done we've done other podcasts that we touch on some of these same things. In fact, I think we've mentioned the really really free market in at least one other podcast. But yeah, the little free libraries and the little free food pantries, which are pretty much the same thing. They look like slightly bigger mailboxes that are in neighborhoods or at different um, places in town, and they'll have, you know, for the food pantries, they might not just have food. They might have toiletries. They might have other, like, flashlights or some things that people might need. And one of the uh, better community-building things that involves free stuff, I think, is community gardens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, see if you can start one of those. I'm not a big gardener myself, but I've noticed that when people do get involved in that, they often really get to know their neighbors in ways that, like, really, really free markets and stuff like that don't necessarily bring people together. But, uh, yeah, man, talk to people. And for that matter, just regular old food pantries. Get in line with all the, the poor people in your neighborhood. 
you know, and just talk to people. Um, you'll meet some damn characters. You'll meet some people you don't necessarily want to talk to, but you'll also meet a lot of people that, like, are really uh, special, warm, genuine people. Um, yeah. This is probably the most revolutionary thing you can do right now is not need uh, supply chains and not need the government. So if, yeah, you're trying to, if you're trying to, like, tear down civilization, try it this way. Yeah, and more and more, another revolutionary thing is to uh, reach out to people, get to know people, talk to people, communicate to people, touch people. Um, that's getting to be something that's uh, getting harder and harder to do. So speaking of reaching out and touching people, mm. I have a listener write in from Anna, and she's from Great Bookham, England. I'm not going to read it in an English accent, but... Um, I hope I said that right. Maybe it's a great book ham. I'm not sure. But Anna says, uh, escaping, quote, organized society. Damn, envious of those who can just like that leave it all behind and thrive anyway. And that was in response to our podcast, The Survival Overnights. And Gumby, do you have anything that you want to say about that listener write-in? Well, I suspect she didn't listen to the episode. She was just kind of responding to the title. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we definitely can't do that. Just leave it all behind and thrive anyway. But we're working on it. There are certain ways that uh, I feel more and more comfortable that I can do without society. Um, Yeah. And just, you know, I agree with her. Damn, I'm envious of those people too. Because I know there are people out there. And every little step of something I learned how to do on my own you know, the, the scavenging helps you get freedom right now. Like I said, in, uh, Escaping Society in Five Easy Steps, um, definitely take advantage of free stuff. Um, if, it, if it gives you time that you don't have to waste your life working to get stuff to buy brand new that they have to manufacture to sell you, hell yeah, that's a great thing. That is a huge good step towards freedom. But then start learning how to make stuff yourself, how to like Take raw materials from the woods and all the things that you can do. Like I mentioned the cattail hat, for instance. Um, man, it is so gratifying. Um, so I just say, yeah, have fun with that. See what you can learn. Yeah, and in the Survival Overnights episode, you mentioned a lot of times where you were out in the woods with different small groups of people who might have come from various walks of life, but you had to come together in community you know, whatever you want to call it there in that situation, but you were forming a community because you you had uh, similar needs, the basic needs of survival, and you figured out pretty much, I mean, you survived. So. And I think that is actually one of the big things that's missing when we talk about the need for community building and uh, how come it never seems to uh, reach its potential or so rarely. I think it's need. I think when we need each other, when we come together and it's like all this has fallen apart, then we're, we're going to see some serious community building happening. Going to be a whole lot of problems to work through, but people are going to be invested in working through them because the alternative will be death. Mm. So that's when tribe is really going to happen. And uh, I think we can do things to help it, you know, like really, really free markets, but we're not going to get there until we need to. And... Uh, that might be pretty soon. <laughs> Doesn't hurt to get started now. Well, that's all I got for this episode. Anything else? Nope. All right. If you have any comments, questions, um, if you've gone to a really, really free market and want to share that experience with us, 
um, please visit our website. It's escapingsociety.weebly.com. There's a comment form right on the front page there. And uh, we have a Facebook page because we haven't escaped society. We're escaping. Um, and that Facebook page is called Escaping Society. And we've got our YouTube videos up there teaching you how to do stuff and things. And I think that's it. Love to hear from you and build our community even through this podcast. So thanks for listening. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, cause we'll be gone. Over that next horizon. We ain't got no address.